everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Politics. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And we are the duo behind Bad on Paper. If you're new here, Bad on Politics is our monthly series where we have a bonus episode and every month we will tackle a different political issue with a different expert. And today we are joined by Alyssa Mastermonaco. This is her third time on the pod with us, I think. Is it number three? Yeah, it's number three. At least. Yeah. We're just trying to like get her to be a full-time co-host without her noticing. Exactly. Just ask you guys. I love this. (laughs) Welcome back, Alyssa. Ladies. So if you don't know Alyssa, and I, I don't know who you are, um, no, I know who Alyssa Sorry, is. I'm having such a bad day. That made me smile. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa was uh, President Obama's deputy chief of staff, and she is a co-host of the Hysteria podcast, which talks about uh, females and the intersection of females and politics. She has two books, which we love. They're two both books. memoirs of her time. Paperback coming out in March. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I just found out myself. Um, but we asked Alyssa back for kind of a grab bag of random questions that we've had over the past couple of months having to do with the elections. And then we also wanted to spend some time talking about why elections outside of the presidential race are important for 2020 and what you should be looking at. I'm here for it. Alyssa, I I just have a document where I write down all of my questions that I have and I save them for you. That's what I do. Mine's a, mine's a Google Note thing, but it's the most effective way to not forget what you need. Yeah. Okay. So here are the questions that I've come up with in the the past couple of months that I want okay. to get your take on. Okay. So the first thing I've been wondering is what happens when a candidate gets out of the race? What happens to the money that's donated to them? Is it gone always? So so in most cases... That's such a good question. I never thought about that. So it's interesting. So a couple things. One, remember, when people are getting into the race, this was big for, um, for Elizabeth Warren, for Kirsten Gillibrand, for Kamala Harris, when they were getting into the race. And I'm not just saying that because they're women, but because they had a lot of money, as I recall, is that they are, you can transfer money between some of your political funds, right? So for example, Elizabeth Warren, I think, transferred roughly $10 million from her Senate race to her presidential campaign, right? So here's what happens. Normally, when you see people who are getting out of the race now, most notably Cory Booker got out last week, most candidates look at their burn rate, how much money they're spending, how much is coming in. They do the math about how long they can pay their staff and still stay afloat. So most times when people end their race, they don't really have much money left. And there's another thing in a presidential, in a general election presidential race, just as an example, there's something called the GLAC, which is the General Election Legal Action Fund or something. So a lot of times, too, campaigns have to keep money on hand in case they need to pay legal bills, in case there's any sort of court cases or anything that they have to pay off. But most times, there's really not a lot of money left to speak of when they get to the end. Some will make donations. Some give staff bonuses who've worked really hard. Or in some cases, it's it's not even a bonus. It's it's severance. You know, it's a couple okay. weeks of severance. That's usually what happens to the money. I actually don't know of an example that I've ever heard where like the money went to something more glamorous. <laughs> well, I was kind of wondering with Cory Booker because I'm on his email list and the next day it turned into his, his Senate, Senate race. race. So that leads me to believe that they left it all on the field, that they all the money they raised for the presidential, they spent, and now he needs to raise for his 
Senate race okay. in New Jersey. I just didn't know if the money that I was putting in could be reallocated to something else if the it candidate it, drops out. It can, but usually they don't have that kind of money left over. Okay. People aren't dropping out with millions of dollars in the bank. They're okay. U- they usually get – when people get to the point of dropping out, it's usually like, okay, we're not ta- – we haven't raised that much in the past couple of weeks. And as it is now in the bank, we can pay all of our vendors, all the staff, the rent – and that's usually when people cut bait. So speaking of people with billions of dollars. Yes. What about Bloomberg? We're so curious because I have a few friends that are big supporters. I, okay. Um, we want to know what what effect is he having on the race? So watching Bloomberg is going to be very interesting. And some people were very like, eh, why is he getting in? I'm like all for it. You know, I just – I think that – The one thing to notice is that when you are watching TV, especially everyone when you are watching the Super Bowl, because people who are not avid political news followers may not be aware of this, but Michael Bloomberg bought ad time during the Super Bowl. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he's outspent the combined field Field by by multiples. And over, wow, like a couple of months that he's been in the race. Wait, when's the Super Bowl? Uh, February 3rd or 4th. Early second, okay. It's like it's like the I'm second. so sports. No, dumb. so Iowa caucuses are February third, and the Super Bowl I think is the second. It's the day before Iowa. Oh, okay, so here's that's a good ad spot. Thing. It's a great ad spot, even though Bl- Bloomberg's not doing it to show any sort of like momentum shift in Iowa. If you're Bloomberg, and I think all the news articles sort of point to this. You are looking past the states where you kind of can't compete at this point. So he's looking at the big states like the Super Tuesday states, basically after um, after New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. But what's really interesting is that he's doing these national ad buys, and his ads are amazing. And he's not taking on any of the Democratic challengers. It's all Trump. And he's really painting this narrative – of just what a phony, what a crook, what a bad person Donald Trump is. And also just even even if his goal, let's say, were not to be president, which you have to assume if someone's running, they it would be because they want to be president. But if you just look at the contrast he draws, they're both New Yorkers. So if you're just a person in the middle of America, right, and you're watching these ads, I think it's hard to not be like, hmm, This is interesting because here he is, a self-made, true billionaire from New York. They're both from New York. Like, who can push Donald Trump's buttons more? As evidenced by the fact that once Donald Trump found out about the Super Bowl ad buy, he bought one too. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be watching just for these ads. It's very interesting to see. So, and, And don't forget, Donald Trump is using Republican National Committee money. He's using, he is using money that should be going to a ground game eventually. Um, to have a vanity ad war on the Super Bowl. And so it's like Don, in, in so many ways, like Bloomberg is drawing him into like wasting his money. And when you think about it, <laughs> like, you know, everything that Bloomberg – look, there are a lot of controversial things about Bloomberg as mayor. But, but if you look at him even as just a businessman <laughs> – He's like destroyed Donald Trump. And I just think it's – I think it's amazing. And I think that the one thing that he has done – so to think about this, Bloomberg already has a campaign staff of five, at least 500 people, 50 of which are in the comms, in the communications team. Interesting. I wow. have got to see – I 
I haven't seen any of these commercials because I don't have cable. Oh, you've got it. They're quite good. And so they're I'm, quite, I'm they're very curious because it yeah. doesn't seem like he's spending a lot on digital because I haven't seen ads most other places. Of, most of what I have seen has been on television. Yeah. But not I haven't just like seen cable, any ads either. Not just like cable, like NBC. You know what I mean? Like real, like between my shows. You know what I mean? So I thought it was really interesting. I spent some time over New Year's in Boston, which is the New Hampshire media market. Yes. Um, and so the ads there are like very aggressive. And specific. And specific. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think depending on where you live in the country, you're getting totally a totally different experience. It's true. And the thing to remember for anyone who is curious to find out more about Bloomberg is that he has committed that he will keep his campaign staff through election day in support of whomever the nominee is, even if it is not him. Oh, interesting. Don't you kind of just love him then? Yes. Like, I, like, I mean, that. that's, that's you know, like if you're going to have the money, if you have the money, I mean, do he sees him as an existential threat. And for people also who want to sort of criticize Bloomberg as this a bit like Johnny come lately in this sort of like vanity move, he has invested money in getting guns off the street. I mean, like climate change, guns. He has been a part of the fight. So I think it's very interesting. And uh, people should should pay attention to, if, if nothing else, pay attention to how he's spending his money. Because I think uh, Mayor Bloomberg is nothing if not smart. <laughs> I found it really challenging with Bloomberg because he will, by definition, not qualify for any of the debates. I know. Because he's not taking any donations. But and here's the thing. Why is he doing minimum? ads during the debate? Or well, here's weird? an interesting thing. Is that one of the, some of the smarter political analysts, New York specific, New York, New York uh, politics will tell you that like Bloomberg's strength is not debates. Mm -hmm. So this is not a bad thing for him, I don't think. I don't, I mean, you guys tell me, have me you watched the debates? I have. Debate? I've watched all of the Do debates. You, have you I've really, only watched the most recent and the first one. Have you come away from the debates with a vastly improved opinion of anyone or 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 weakened opinion? Like, like have the debates really done anything to sway you? I think... Not on my top choices, but right. I think some of the middle choices, but it has definitely fostered a deeper understanding of where where each of the candidates lie and what right. they think about and what are their top issues. Right. So I don't feel like I have a, as good of a sense of Bloomberg because he hasn't right. participated in, in any of the debates. I just feel I mean, like I true. understand like who who everyone is and what their platforms are better. And actually, in the last debate, I found myself liking Amy Klobuchar much more. Really? Yeah. Can we talk about Amy Klobuchar? Let's talk because about her. Because one of my You just made a face. I didn't make a face. That's a lie. <laughs> you made a face? I'm I'm picking It's a phone a interview. She has no faces. There's no, faces. no face. So, um I'm not I'm kidding. She's here with us. So, um I thought it was very interesting that the New York Times editorial board endorsed Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. And I mm -hmm. saw some criticism of it mm -hmm. where it seems weird for them to endorse a candidate that is not near the top. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get your thoughts. I and have also, a lot of feelings about this. I want to know your feelings, but I also want to know what kind of impact does that type of endorsement have? Sure. Yeah. So the New York Times has a job. Actually, here's let's let's actually talk about this. I'm not sure 
in that for national newspapers, it should be their job or a position to endorse. I just I'm not sure how I feel about it when it came, whether it was, you know, look, when you're John Kerry, I worked for John Kerry's presidential, Barack Obama's. Look, when you get the endorsement, it's great. I'm not sure how much it helps. And I'm also not sure like what it does. Like, you know, these were very labor, like the endorsement article was really long. Like, I'd be lying if I said I read every single word. (laughs) Um, I don't – I like local. You know, to me, it's like if I want an endorsement, I want it to be from a local paper that's like telling people in that community why it matters. The news – you know what I'm saying? So if it's like the Des Moines Register, if the Des Moines Register, they usually – they usually endorse maybe a week before the caucuses. And to me, that's like they know what the people of Iowa are living and breathing, what their fight is, what their what their uh, what their real needs are, and for them to endorse, I think that genuinely means something to the people of Iowa. I think that like the New York Times endorsement is is for elites, right? So great. It probably helps with some level of fundraising. I don't know. It but- definitely made me. Be it made me question: Do I need to give her a second look? Right, that's fair because it was such a strange endorsement that I, you know, I would have expected it to be a, one of the top three candidates. Like Elizabeth Warren was not surprising to yeah. me, but then right. to have it be both, I was like, oh, what am I missing? It's right. It was like it was. There was no mention of Biden. Of actually, the the mayor Pete was a bit of a skewer. Their little. <laughs> Their little note on him. It's like, let us know when you get there. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, at this point when this isn't controversial, how I feel isn't controversial. I just haven't heard many people say it. In a world where fake news is such a problem, I think I would prefer fewer opinions and just more straight reporting, right? So I think years ago, I wasn't as, you know, like, oh, like, is this what we really need? And that's kind of how I felt. Also, if you look at an endorsement process, the point is it's supposed to yield one person. Right. And so picking yeah. two is weird to me. I'm not sure how helpful it was. I think that both Warren and Klobuchar took it, you know, like champs. For it, it's okay. So I kind of felt like, you know, like the New York Times, people have been like, you know, a little rough on them the past two years, as with a lot of media organizations that are accused of like whataboutism and trying too, too hard to be quote unquote fair. And so I'm like, are they just really just like woke up one day and they're like, we're just fucking feminists. We are feminists and we're picking <laughs> two women left. Sorry, Tulsi. And, you know, is that, was it like just ass over elbow into this pool of feminism to show the world that they were for women? Uh, I don't know. At the same time, I mean, Amy Klobuchar has been working her ass off. She has not given up. She has endured when many others did not. My favorite thing is every single debate when she says, this is in flyover country. I live here. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No matter where the debate is. Um, So, yeah, but for her – you know, I do think that that debate is a great fun. That the debate, the endorsement, is a great fundraising tool. Um, it is a shot of adrenaline, I think, if only in fundraising. But at the same time, you know, she she also, I think, either the day before, a couple days before, or the day I've also got the endorsement of the Quad City Times, which is a big endorsement in the state of Iowa, and that is 
I think for her chances in Iowa, a bigger deal than the New York Times endorsement. But she's like any sort of energy I think that she can get from it on the ground is a bit blunted by the fact that she had to pack up and go back to Washington for this mishigas of an impeachment trial that, you know, Mitch McConnell is presiding over right now, that as we sit and speak today is supposed to go until three or four in the morning or something crazy just to get through adopting the rules. So, you know, all of them who have had to return for impeachment – it's a it's a problem. Like it's definitely a struggle because uh, Vice President Biden and Mayor Pete are just unfettered on so the highways on the and byways of Iowa, New okay. Hampshire. Yeah, oh, interesting. I read somewhere that someone thought that everyone should stop campaigning during the impeachment. Like I think I think that would be fair. I think that it would be one thing. It's a bit different if, like, you guys may be too young to remember, but when Not me. John McCain, do you remember during the financial crisis the, in September, October of 2008, John McCain said that they should suspend their campaigns and go back to Washington and deal with the crisis. And Barack Obama's response was, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like, let's just get this done. Yeah. And so I think that if it were, if there were like a a terrible shooting, if there were some sort of like crisis, if we actually, you know, if the situation in the Middle East had not de-escalated, I do think that there would have been a reason to sort of like say, let's everybody like just pause and take a beat. But no, I think it's full throttle now until we have a nominee. That makes sense. So we've talked a ton about Iowa. Mm. Can you explain to us how a caucus works and what a caucus is? Sure. So a couple things. One, I'm going to get you guys this clip because it is incredible. Sesame Street years ago actually did a video about what a caucus is. Honestly, like that's what I need. Guys, we'll put this in the Facebook group because I need this. It was pure joy. And if you are not someone – so let's be clear – if you don't understand what a caucus is, you are the large, vast majority of America because it is complicated. And by and large, most states have switched from caucuses to straight primary voting, which is you come in, you have your day, it's you know Tuesday, the whatever, you go in, you vote, you leave. Right? Yeah. Here's what caucus – so caucuses are – in Iowa, there are over 1,600 precincts and each precinct – has a caucus. And what a caucus is essentially is a gathering of friends and neighbors, members of your community. This sounds like Little House on the Prairie. It's not that different from how they voted members onto the Grange. And so (laughs) she, which I watched Pa Ingalls do all the time when he went to Mankato. um, So everybody, so it's usually like at a community center, at a church, at a gymnasium or a high school. What happens is the caucus is several hours. It is a really, now here's what I like about it. And there's 1,600 of these. 1,600 precincts. So you go to like your your town. Yeah. You go to where your town is or like some of them, like some towns will have more than one. Like, you know, some places are big enough, they'll probably have quite a few. So you go, you show up, you have your candidate, right? So everyone, the whole point of all of these candidates going through Iowa over and over again, and the thing that's interesting and why candidates don't stop going, and even if you have someone who's committed, say you have someone who's committed to Biden, 
here's why other candidates don't give up on that person. So here's how caucus works. So say your caucus starts at 6 p.m. You show up. You are your number one choice. Everybody has their number one choice. And around, let's say, the gymnasium, there are the Biden people in one corner and the Buttigieg people in one corner and the Warren people and the Bernie people. And it's almost like imagine, if you need a visual, imagine picking dodgeball teams. This is what I'm picturing. That's I know. I could see it in your eyes. Yeah. That's why I went with it. So picture everyone in their corners and you walk in and you're like, they're my people. They're my Biden people. I go over and stand with my Warren people. So what happens? Everyone arrives. And the thing that's a bit nice about it is there is talking among the different groups. Like, mm-hmm. why do you support this one? No, no. Come over here and support my person. Because you do end up with undecideds who show up, right? So it's important. So they just stand in the center of the room until they pick a corner? They kind of just like go and figure it out. And so – Oh, my God. Wait, Go so, Betsy Joe's over there. I gotta go say hi to her. Well, it's so this is why in a place like Iowa, certain endorsements more at a local level matter. This is like where local politics is super interesting because say you go into your gym and the person I just love that it's in a gym. It's we're just going with I mean, there are a lot in a gym. But say you go in and you see your favorite teacher who's endorsed, Mayor Pete. Well, you're like, well, I love her. Why? And then you go over, you're like, why are you supporting Mayor Pete? This is an interesting part of the process. So what happens is there's a first round of voting. So they go around and they say, Joe Biden, and everyone who's voting for Joe Biden, you know, raises their hand, they stand in their group, and so on and so forth for all the candidates. And then what happens is if you have not met, the, if you have not gotten 15% of the people in the room, you are voted out. Like you you don't get to go to the second round, right? So if you are, let's say you're Cory Booker since he's dropped out. So say you're Cory Booker and you only get 10% of the vote. You don't proceed to the second round. However, you have supporters who are standing there with you. So what do those supporters do in the second round? Do Booker supporters go en masse to Warren? Do they all go their separate ways? So this is why when you look at polling for Iowa, it's very important to see if the polling is just talking about – some of the polls have been – and a a good poll, if anyone's looking, we can put this on the Facebook page too, is the Des Moines Register poll, which is why it's so meaningful. I think you mentioned this the first time you came on for Bad on Politics. Yes. It's very important because – so here's how the Des Moines Register poll works. They survey people – for their first vote, like who would your first vote be? Who do you support? And in that poll, it was interesting because someone like Bernie surged. He was at the very top. He was at 30%. However, there is always a second round of voting, at least. So the question for a lot of these candidates is not how well do you do in the first round, it's how do you do through the third round? So someone like Bernie was surging in the first round, but didn't pick up much support as other candidates dropped out. So say, let's use the Cory Booker example again. So say Cory Booker doesn't make it to the second round. Well, all of his supporters, some of his supporters, none of them may have Bernie as their second choice. So it is it is conceivable to surge in the first round and not win by the third round, because people who have dropped out, their supporters are more ideologically aligned 
with other people. So that's why when you have the Mayor Pete's, Biden's, and Klobuchar, who are sort of the moderate, uh, the moderate group, and then you have Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, who are more progressive. It's interesting to see in some of the in the in the people who rank lower, who their supporters actually favor as a second and third choice. Interesting. So when does it end? Does it end when there's no one left below 15%? No. So after the third round, that's considered final. Okay. And what's very interesting and what they're doing differently than they have, what Iowa's doing differently than they have before, usually they vote out the delegates. So the delegates per precinct are allotted per like percent, like who got the most second, first, second, and third, right? Got it. Now, what they haven't done previously is release raw vote totals, which they are doing. So it'll be very interesting because in this in this configuration, it's like the actual caucus process feels a bit like the electoral college, when the raw numbers could could show a different picture. Oh, so there'll be like a popular vote kind of. Yes, yes. And so Iowa has a caucus, and then Nevada also has a caucus. Are they the only two states? No. So there are other states further along, as I recall. Oh, okay. Idaho, I think, is a caucus. Okay. Some states are split. Some have a caucus and a primary, which and is very complicated. The oh Nevada God. caucus is mm-hmm. very polarizing because isn't it very union-driven? It's very union-driven indeed. By the, the most powerful union there is Unite Here, which are the hotel and casino workers. And yes, that is, you know, the, the head of the Unite Here is uh, – I think it's still D Taylor. And that's like the the endorsement of D Taylor. Like you'll see yeah. as you get past Iowa and New Hampshire, you'll start seeing interesting things like churches in South Carolina. One of the greatest things that we did, everybody forgets Barack Obama in 2008 was not doing well in South Carolina until we won New Hampshire, right? And then the closer that we would get to states that had like mega churches, we would do calls with pastors on Sunday nights. So then the pastors would preach on Sundays and not saying they supported Barack Obama, but, you know, they pray for Brother Obama and Hillary or John Edwards if he was still in it back then. But um, no, it's it's very interesting. And it's also the first state that is, you know, South Carolina will be the first really um, where the where the. Democratic primary electorate is it's the largest percentage of African American voters that any of the um uh candidates will have encountered. So it'll be interesting and it will mean a lot to the country to see sort of what South Carolina says when it weighs in. And then on to Nevada, which is, you know, Spanish speaking, you know, um very interested in like DACA and and sort of positions on dreamers and immigration and all that kind of stuff. So with all the impeachment stuff going on, Mm -hmm. are you comfortable talking about this? We just kind of want to know what effect is this going to have on the election? We talked a little about it. The election in November or the election process from now until November? Both. Both. So I'm going to be honest. It remains to be seen. It's not entirely clear how much America is really – Checking in. We've seen the polls, right? We know that 70% of Americans want witnesses in the trial. For the most part, this is, we have to see how it plays out because you guys may remember, I remember growing up, I watched the Clinton impeachment trial on television, you know, and, and if, if it's, if people aren't watching it, things are so different now in terms of how people consume media than it was back then that I'm not sure what it will mean. Another interesting thing is that the, 
Trump administration is pushing very hard to have a lot of the more delicious stuff, uh, testimony, if there is testimony, be um, in closed session, which means Americans would not be able to see what's really happening. Um, Look, I think right now Donald Trump has been impeached, right? He's been impeached by the House of Representatives, and it hasn't infected him that much. Now, what's interesting is that in times of impeachment, for example, Bill Clinton's approval rating was much higher than Trump's is right now. So it's not entirely clear how he can endure. You know, I I think so much of it depends on if Republicans demand a fair trial and you have people like Susan Collins in Maine, um, Cory Gardner out in Colorado, Republicans in sort of not safe seats. And are they going to be calling for a fair trial, like Mitt Romney, are they going to be calling for a fair trial? They want, you know, because their district kind of expects that, that they want to see. You know, like the thing that I totally don't understand is if any one of us, if any one of the three of us got in trouble for stealing a bike, we would have to answer for it. So it's a bit incredible to me, just on a patriotic level, that this is such a question of what will and can happen. But to be clear, even as an impeached president, which he is right now, it, it's incumbent upon the Senate to either remove him, like do something like censure him, which is what happened to Bill Clinton, or to turn him loose. And it's it's an interesting thing in terms of like what he can still, even if he is impeached and then not removed, he can run for president. Like there's no issue. So I don't. I'd be a lying fake pundit if I told you that I had any idea what this could do. Because it's just, it's so much remains to be seen. Yeah. So I want to spend some time Mm -hmm. talking about something that when you were first a guest on the podcast, before we had bad on politics, I remember one of the things that you really drove home was that you need to care about other elections Mm -hmm. outside of the presidential election. Yes. And to date, with bad on politics, we've spent most of the time talking about the presidential election mm-hmm. because it's so complicated and there's so much going on. But I wanted to give a spotlight on other races and why they're important. Yes. So right now, here's a very important thing to remember. Right now, it's all 2020 mania. And when people say 2020, they think of the presidential election. Yes. That is almost exclusively what people think of. We need to remember that the blue wave, if you're a Democrat, I'm not assuming everyone who listens to you is, but let's say you are, the blue wave that came through in 2018 that brought us Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and that whole freshman class, Ayanna Presley, who I love. She's my OG political fam, uh, one of my first bosses ever. Um, those members are all up again. So every single person that got voted in needs your vote again. There are also everything as we're seeing Washington is such a mess and how government happens is such a mess. It's even more important that you understand what's happening in your community and that you are involved. And like we've always said, you know, for all the people listening, the most important thing you can do every day is make sure that you are healthy, that you are paying your bills. And then if you are able to get engaged, if you're able to spend an hour, start by 
understanding what issues are affecting your community. What's going on with the school board? What's going on with the city council? Are taxes going up? Are they not going up? How is the money being allocated to schools? Really understand what's happening in your community and then see sort of whether it's your mayor, whether it's your member of Congress, whether it's your elected officials that go to your state capitol and decide your laws. Um, It's important to know, a lot of people don't know that in states, for example, where your secretary of state is elected, secretaries of state set your voting laws, right? Okay. And so- I didn't know that. Right. And so it's really important to understand how your how your town works, how your state works, and sort of how you can affect the life that you want to have. And so I would really tell people, you know, there are so many um there are so many resources these days, but Fair Fight that Stacey Abrams has launched, um Vote Save America has a great website where you can type in your zip code and sort of see a lot of what's happening in your community and you get some resources. Also, you can just go to your, um, you know, your local, like your governor's website and and see what's happening. But that's, I think that's a really important thing is to understand because now, again, I hate it, but I hate the words fake news. But in a world where you don't know what to trust, it's like, unfortunately, you have to take the extra time and educate yourself. Otherwise, you know, even me, when I go vote, it's like in New York, you know how it is here. You're like, wait, but all these judges are Democrats. I'm like, what am I going to do? Right. But I still have to know who they are and what they stand for. You know, it still matters. And and now, you know, so, someone who's running for assembly on the Lower East Side called me. And, you know, maybe years ago, I wouldn't have sat on the phone with her for 15 minutes. But I did because I wanted to hear about the, you know, dump on the Lower East Side that she's trying to get moved out. Like, but then also understand, like, what's the why? Yeah. I think that's my thing is that I try to understand the why. Like in New York, I think there was a great example a couple of months ago when Amazon was coming to New York. And if you just read what was on social media, you would have formed a very quick opinion, I think, which I did. But then I read more and I understood that there were people, you know, because the for those who don't know, Amazon was going to come to Long Island City. There were stories that they were getting these tax breaks, but that's not actually, it turns out that's not entirely what was happening and that there was a lot of upside for people in the community. And so I just think that, you know, for me, especially in New York, it's like, yeah, I read the Post, I read the Daily News, I read the Albany Times Union because we do need more perspectives in a world that changes too fast on Twitter. Here's something that I should know, but I don't. Okay. Can you explain to me what are the things that state legislatures um, do versus our national Congress? Like, what are the types of things that your state Congress votes on? Like on your st- your state assembly? I guess so, because it's like you have you have a state House of Representatives. So we may need a whole different show on that because <laughs> I don't want to give people bad information, but it's it's literally things that happen at a more local level, like in some regard, like because then there's a distinction between what the governors can do in certain states and the state assembly. So we should we should make that a whole separate issue as people okay. get more involved in the early summer. I was just trying to figure out it's like if you care about X, that's a local issue versus if you care about Y, that's a national issue. Most things are local issues. Okay. Right? Like when you think about the things in your community, whether it's your roads, whether it is how, whether your community is going to order like offer 
like pre-K, childcare, like all that kind of stuff. It's um, most of that is locally decided and enacted, but we don't want people to have bad information. So we will do a deep dive into this. That's fine. <laughs> I love that. That's fine. Um, are there any races that you think that people should be paying attention to or that might have a big impact? So I know you mentioned all of the freshmen Yes. Congress people who came in. Yes. They're up for election every two years. Every two years. So is all of Congress up for re-election? Congress is up for election. The Senate is every six years. Okay. Okay. So yeah, Congress is gonna be wild. It'll be okay. it'll be very interesting to see how impeachment plays there. Cause don't So the House is every two years. Mm-hmm. And the Senate is every six years. So some senators are up for re-election, Correct. but not all. Correct. Okay. I'm with you. And so, you know, for me, someone like a Susan Collins up in Maine, who has always been, uh, she has always said she stands with women, that she's a Republican, but she stands with women. You know, she voted for Brett Kavanaugh. She said it's settled law. Roe v. Wade is settled law. And, you know, so I like to call her Susie's settled law Collins, because it turns out that's not true. He can do whatever he wants. That's not, you know. So she's up. And a lot of women are galvanizing outside of Maine to take her out because she has not been a friend to women. She sort of defended Donald Trump when given the opportunity, uh, unless totally egregious, unlike an independent, a more independent thinker, Susan Murkowski up in Alaska. She's she is she's also a Republican. She is a Republican. She has really been more of a vote your conscience kind of person. But I think that for most people when you think about what we have to accomplish and achieve on a daily basis, there will be the sort of glittery things to watch over the summer in addition to, you know, the presidential. But for anyone who really wants or gives a shit about their community, it's I think it's important to just act as locally as you can. I know I am. Now I feel guilty that I don't know anything about I know, our, I feel our really local dumb. politics. No, but No, but that's the thing you don't, you don't have, but that's the point. When you when when we talk about it, we realize none of us know as much as we could. Yeah, right. Like some of us know nothing. Yes. No, I mean I live in the city. I also live in Columbia County, which is in upstate New York, and I have tried to learn as much as I can about what happens up in this in the town that I live in and how money is spent. And you know, it's a lot of times it is until you get something like. If you own your property, if you own your apartment here in the city, if you own your house in upstate New York, and you see your taxes, right? You get your tax bill. And all of a sudden, you're like, what the fuck are all my taxes going to? And then you start learning and you start reading and you say, okay. And, you know, like like in a lot of places, like up, up where I am, a lot of sometimes people will move to the city because they want to pay less taxes upstate, but then they'll vote down things like school funding, because they don't want to pay it. Their kids aren't going to school there. So these are like the issues that I have started to educate myself on because mm-hmm. I don't know enough. So guess what? I was – anyone listening, I was White House Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations. I've been to Iraq. I've been to Afghanistan. I've met the Queen. I've met the Pope. <laughs> I still have to fucking Google shit, okay? Like none of us are perfect and I don't know everything and I will never say I know something when I don't know it, which is why we're just going to have to have a follow-up episode with people's questions. I love that. I love that. People should send in a, their questions and then we can take it and we can help them understand. I have a question 
that I think might be ridiculous. But um, no questions are ridiculous. So Parks and Rec has led me to believe that there are like local town meetings. Is yes. that something that like truly exists? Is that a useful thing to there go to? There are town meetings. So most towns will quote do what's called noticing a meeting, okay. which means they say. Hear ye, hear ye. On <laughs> February 22nd, we will have a town meeting and these are the topics we'll be discussing. And then usually sometimes at the end, there'll be an open moment, you know, an, a, open questions where people can raise issues. But no, I will say that I follow the town meeting schedule. Does that exist in cities, like in New York City? I'm sure it does. Okay. It seems awful. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm it just seems wondering. Like super intense. But in upstate New York, I will say that my town has town meetings and I follow the schedule. And I'm actually waiting to be there for one because I just want to go and see what it's like. I would be so curious. That seems but like, like here's a great local issue. Okay. There's a town uh, on the Hudson River called Germantown. And Germantown has been working. So the Hudson River, beautiful, really has cleaned itself up over the years. And a lot of communities have made their whether by tourism or food or whatever, they they have industries, right? And now Amtrak had been working with the governor's office to put certain fences up so that trains can go faster, right? So you don't have to worry about people coming or crossings. You put these fences up. But the fences are going to block the views to the river. I have been to several meetings organized by the town to discuss how people really feel about these Fences and ha- the impact on the community. Like, what? And that's great, but I found it on Instagram. That's how I found out about the meeting. That's so interesting. I know. But you never know where you're going to. That's why it like, legitimately it, takes work because everything is so scattered now. Well, it almost feels easier in a small town mm-hmm. than in a big city. I agree with that. It was easier. It is easier for me to find because if you Google town meeting New York City, like what would come up? And also like what kind of batshit things would they be talking about at that meeting? Exactly. And I think, but see, that's again the point. If you look at the difference between national and local like if you go to your town meeting, I bet you're going to find out that you can have input on a lot of shit happening in your town that you didn't even know was under consideration. Yeah. That's why it matters. My mom always goes to all the town meetings. She just moved to Charleston. and She was like at the Johns Island like commu- town meeting and I was making fun of her so badly. And now I should be like, mom, I'm so proud of you. She I should I'm be proud so of her. proud of her because yes. that's right. And I bet she knows a lot and you meet people in your community. It's like, look. I just think social media in some ways has divided people so much. It makes everyone anonymous to an extent, and you don't have to care about your neighbor, right? And being hardcore Obama, we do believe that we are our brothers and our sisters keepers. And I think that when you go to something like a town meeting, um, you do see how one issue can affect people differently and how maybe no one's right and no one's wrong. Maybe it's just different. And I think we could all – use a little of that. So find a town meeting and go. It puts like a face to it. It puts context and to it. And report back. Tell yeah. us what happened when you went to your town meeting. Okay. So last question. Yes. I asked you this last last time and I wonder if your answer is going to be the same. Is there anything that is happening right now in politics that you think is not getting enough news coverage that people should know about, look up, care about? You know, I, I genuinely think that climate is just a huge fucking problem. And, you know, when you look at the permission structure that President Trump has given to some foreign leaders to not take climate change seriously, like what's happening in Australia, 
you know, a couple weeks ago, we were all like, oh, the koala bears, that's terrible. I mean, I cried because you know how I love animals. Yeah. But like, there are things that are happening. And when you look at, here's an interesting thing I saw the other day, China. China is outlawing single-use plastic. Really? So they're getting rid of single-use plastic bags by 2021, I think. And shortly thereafter, single-use plastic. So no plastic forks, no plastic spoons, no plastic plates. What about water bottles? I didn't see anything specifically about water bottles. But when you think about that, China is doing more and setting standards that our president won't set. And so I think that, you know, on the one hand, when he got out of the uh, Paris Climate Accords, when President Trump did, I was like, wow, what a permission structure for the rest of the world to be like, fuck it. If, if America's not doing it, then we're fine. We have really, I think, been lucky that the education and the science that is believed by other leaders around the globe has by and large been adhered to and they're still moving forward and trying to do what they can. But like what's happening in America is in climate across the globe is fucking bad. Like when everyone was posting, and I'm not judging anyone who did this, but when people were posting pictures in New York this past week where it was like, or last weekend, it was like 70 degrees and out Mm -hmm. on their deck. Well, here's an interesting thing when you actually get out of a city because it's not as – you don't have as much sort of nature, right? So I was upstate. Um, All the bugs came out. The woolly caterpillars came back out, you know, and then they flash froze the next day when the – frigid air came like that movie the day after tomorrow and i had actually gone out for a walk um into this like really wooded area because it was winter and i was like oh there are no ticks it's great no 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 no. they're ticks and i had to like check myself and make sure so people don't know so anyway if you are outside still check for ticks because i did a lot of research after that and ticks can come back when it gets warm. Where it's like one nice day. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Where do so, they come from? I don't want to get side. This is like, like that's they, a like, science yeah. series we need to start. Yeah. Like they, they Bad sort on of, science. They burrow and then when it, it's warm, they can come back out, but it's not good. It's not good. No. Everything's upside down. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Thank, thank you for you. answering our grab bag of questions. My fave ladies. Where can people find you on the internet bef- between your next visit to our podcast? On the internet, I'm at Alyssa Mastro 44, which is going to be iconic this year because I'm turning 44. Oh, it's your golden It's my Twitter golden year. Twitter year. Yeah. And uh, on Instagram, I'm at Mastro175. I am not on Facebook. You're private on Instagram, but you'll accept people if they I don't do. look I do. I like go creeps. through. That's exactly yeah, okay. right. Every couple of weeks, I go through. And if your profile seems like you're a nice person, I accept you. Yeah. So there you go. Go do those things. And also, buy her, books. her books. Yes, Whoa, please Jing. do. They're yes. fun. They're great. They They'll are. make you laugh. Yes. yes. Especially where I talk about doing acid for the first time. <laughs> and if you have questions about politics that you want us to get answered, send us an email at badonpaperpodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our best. And uh, we'll talk to you in a bonus episode again next month. Bye, guys. Bye.